Hello and welcome to OperaCast, your one-stop shop for all the latest opera news, reviews, interviews and general chit-chat. I'm David Ward. With the UK government mapping out a return to live performance from the 17th of May, we are all keeping everything crossed that we can look forward to a packed summer season of opera. In this month's pod, we've spoken to leading figures heading up three of the UK's summer festivals. Stephen Langridge, the Artistic Director of Glyndebourne, James Clutton, CEO of Opera Holland Park, and Polly Graham, Artistic Director of Longborough, as we look forward to what to expect from this most welcomed and extraordinary of seasons. But first, here's the news roundup. As mentioned in the opening, the UK government have outlined a return to live performance with indoor shows starting from the 17th of May. Uh, this is all subject to change, but for the time being, we're all looking forward to being back in the theatre from the 17th. This has meant that a number of companies have announced not only their summer seasons, but looking towards the autumn. Perhaps the most exciting announcement, the news of a new ring cycle from English National Opera launching this autumn to be directed by Richard Jones and conducted by Martin Brabins. They'll be opening with Die Valkyra, so the second of the four operas, uh, not the first Das Rheingold, just to confuse everybody, um, but tremendously exciting news and a really positive announcement as we look to get back to some sort of normal. English National Opera have also announced a new production of Tosca, which will be happening at the Crystal Palace Bowl, a newly reopened outdoor space in London. Uh, again, showing English National Opera's commitment to taking opera outside of the Colosseum into all sorts of weird and wonderful new places. The Royal Opera House have announced plans this spring to get back on stage with La Clemenza di Tito. Uh, dates still to be worked out, but that's going to be taking place before the summer. And finally, the International Opera Awards have announced a new date for their postponed awards from almost 12 months ago. The 10th of May, you can buy a ticket for £10 to watch the awards live online presented by Petrock Trelawney. So first up this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with the Artistic Director of the Glyndebourne Festival in East Sussex, Stephen Langridge. Is this season all about getting back to normal as much as possible, or are you kind of looking at this summer in a different way? We're looking at this in a very different way. I mean, we're not back to normal. <clears throat> it's not normal. Um, no, this last year was all about working out what we could do with uh, restrictions. We couldn't go indoors in the summer. We we performed outdoors. Um, it just did what we could safely. And then in the autumn, we, we did go indoors and we did what we could safely. We managed to achieve something. And the main thing is to keep delivering music and theatre, opera because it's important. It's part of what we need. It's part of the cultural discussion. Um, so this year is a continuation of that. You know, we're, we're doing what we're able to do. We know that we're definitely beginning under the restrictions, uh, you know, under social distancing restrictions. We're going to be rehearsing under that. Um, we're hopefully going to be performing under that because come the 17th of May, if we, let's hope we hit that with the targets and everything then we'll be able to have a 50% um, auditorium. There has to be social distancing on stage, social distancing in the orchestra pit. So there are many demands. Every, um, every performing group is in a very strict bubble, including the stage management, the assistant directors, the music staff, language coaches. They're only in one bubble. I can only go into one rehearsal. My colleague Stephen Naylor will go into another rehearsal I mean it's it's military 
and, and we've spent like so many companies we've spent half the year talking about who goes to the toilet where frankly i mean that's very high up on the agenda frightening but but true so you know you have to think about yeah okay we can do it but how i call it tlc now transport lose and catering you know, I, I thought as an artistic director, but I seem to be thinking about where can I have my sandwich and where is everyone else going to have their sandwich? Is it? No, it's not a return to normal. What it is, is going to be a fantastic and extraordinary festival where together with the audience, we experience these stories and this music and these excellent artists. And then with luck, a good following wind and great COVID statistics by Midsummer, we'll be able to invite in more people into the auditorium. Maybe we'll have a full auditorium. Who knows? But we're not banking on it. We've made a season that can be achieved socially distanced until from the beginning to the end. It's far from normal, but it is going to be brilliant. I mean, you've mentioned there obviously the roadmap, which we're all working towards. But as you said, you know there are no guarantees. I mean, how much does that risk kind of play in your mind? Not just thinking about how many artists you've got involved, but your catering staff, your front of house staff. I mean, how much are you kind of conscious that the seventeenth of May and onwards is the plan, but it, it might not be how it how it goes. There's risk. Well, we're artists, we're used to risk. There's there's very little certainty in our world, to be honest. Um there's a lot of risk, but we as I as said, we've 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 taken a punt on the likelihood of being able to continue performing at least in a socially distanced way throughout. So we've programmed 60 performances, quite a lot. Um, and of course, at Glyndebourne, we're not supported by um, the state for our festival um, or the Arts Council. So 50% box office means a serious dent in our funding. However, at Glyndebourne, way before I was involved, um, back in, was it 2001, where there was foot and mouth? And at that point, the uh, the people who were um, leading at that point, including Gus Christie and Sarah Hopwood, who is managing director now and was then, I think, finance director, realised that if they had to close the festival, that would be the end of the company at that time. Luckily, they didn't have to, but it gave everyone a scare. And this year we will take a hit again, but we've been saving up for a rainy day. This is the rainy day. We need to produce art. That's what we're for. And people need art to work out who, <laughs> what a human being is. And we can't just stop. It's not going to be easy. It won't be comfortable financially. But, but um, as I said, we've taken a punt on the idea of um, 50%. You mentioned before that each of the your, your teams for your productions are, are bubbling and you're going to be working under social distancing. I mean, I think one of the great successes in the way of the Offenbach last summer was that it was such a fantastic performance using all of those restrictions actually to, to make it to make it really work. I mean, is that kind of the, the primary artistic consideration for this summer as well is actually... No, I think you can do that once and then, and then everyone <laughs> says, okay, we've seen that. And I was lucky that I did it. <laughs> because we were first out of the blocks. But uh, I mean, that's a, well, you, clearly you saw it. I mean, it's a ridiculous piece of opera bouffe, you know, so you can have fun with that. I think it would be a lot less entertaining with Katya Kabanova, you know, and also, yeah, we know it's COVID now. We've had, we've had over a year of this damn thing. Move on. But that was fun. It was fun last year to play around with it. And then 
you know, that back in those days, we thought that singing was the most dangerous thing you could ever do. So everyone, the singers were three metres apart. Hello. And that's, um, I mean, you can't pretend you're not doing that. So we had to take that one on the chin and have fun with it. Now we're down to two metres, which is still demanding for all those directors, but is uh, it's easier just to get on with imagining the, the emotional um, stories um, that we're presenting. And, you know, we don't have to think about the COVID bit of it anymore, I don't think. So you said it's a very busy programme this summer. You've got five productions and the yeah. concert series. You know, are there are a couple of things we might want to watch or, or listen out for in, in particular. I, I, I think this is a great season. It, it, it's, when you become an artistic director of, of an opera company, you, you, you're given the, the gift of whatever the previous artistic directors have planned because the whole thing takes so flipping long. It's years before um, your own um, thoughts and fingerprints are on it. Although, you know, strangely, the Offenbach, I'm to blame for that last year. But um, so this was not my planning, but I'm thrilled with it. You know, all three of these uh, production teams coming to do the three new productions, because we have we are doing three new productions, um, which is what we have planned to do. We kept going with that. We just decided back in October, let's let's not let's not stop. Let's keep going. Let's keep building, and let's make that commitment. And if you know, if we can't, if we have to close the festival, then we'll have three new productions to do in later years. So we kept going, but you know, with with Christoph Loy, who's an extraordinary director, with Mariam Clement, and with Damiano Micheletto, these three directors are three directors who I've admired for a long time. All three of them I tried to get to Gothenburg when I was there. I succeeded with Damiano, but I didn't manage to get Christoph or, or Marianne. But I'm really happy with that. And then all it's going to be in a, a different version. But, you know, Robin Ticciati and the LPO with a fantastic bunch of singers on Tristan and Isolde with a full orchestra, that's going to be a treat. So, you know, and then there's Cosi Fantute in the middle, straddling it, which is, a, you know, Glyndebourne classic. You know, what, what is actually a, a really a classic production, a very well done classic production. Uh, I was talking to Nick Heitner and he was saying, you know, it's going to make it seem rather radical if there is actually cuddling and handholding. And so I don't I really don't have a, a, fa a favourite. I mean, one of the things that's happened this year is that we, we also have a concert series, which we don't normally. And that's because of this bubbling and two meters and masks and all the rest of it means that, I mean, we know what that means for the audience. We know what that means for performers on stage and in rehearsal, but actually it's also for the people who are carrying bits of scenery around or setting the, so there are, we can't work at the normal tempo because usually we're rehearsing something in the morning, taking it out in the afternoon, putting the next show on, performing at night, striking overnight. Meanwhile, there's at least two other rehearsals going on. And it's unbelievable, the output and the and the tempo. We can't do it. So that leaves us with, um, in this in this festival, that left us with quite a few nights where we couldn't perform an opera. And then we grabbed it and we said, come on, let's do something anyway. And that became our, our um, concert series. And I think that would be exciting as well because there's, you know, um, there's... 
a series of works which are, are, are well known, but which have never been heard at Glyndebourne. You know, Brahms one makes its Glyndebourne debut. <laughs> it's kind of nuts, but I think it'd be great to hear that music in in that um, in that acoustic. Is there anything that you've learned kind of from the past 12 months or, or perhaps last season about the company or, or even about yourself, perhaps, that, that you're wanting to take forward, not just this year, but but further on? Yeah, we think about that a lot. I mean, lots of terrible things have happened, but also some remarkable things. And we're, as a company, we're proud of what we have achieved in the last um, year. But we're desperately sad about, especially about the, the freelance colleagues, so many of them losing their income for a year. We're desperately sad about, I mean, Glyndebourne has a, an impact on the local com, uh, uh, community here of, you know, normally of something like 17 million. You know, we don't see that, but that's what we know goes into the local community. So actually having the festival here has a direct input I impact on the lives of many people. Uh, out there. But in that context, we're very proud of what we achieved, both in the summer and in the autumn. And a number of things have happened in the way that we've worked together. Even though we've, we're all working from home, except for the people who have to be on site because they're building scenery or whatever, that's, I think we've improved at some things. I think we've improved at our communications with the company doing just lots and lots of letters to, you know, just updates and webinars and daily meetings with the management for a year. So there are lots of things have happened, which, and the streaming and how we're communicating with members. We haven't got the answer to all of that, but things have come out of it that have made us think about process. So there are things to be learned and there are things that we've, we feel that have, you know, that we will be talking about for years that have that go into the DNA of what it means to be a part of Glyndebourne. Next up, I spoke to James Clutton, who is the CEO and Director of Opera at London's Opera Holland Park. So James, is this 2021 season about getting back to normal or is it something more than that? Oh, I think it's something more than that. I think apart from the sort of great return, uh, you know, the glorious return for everyone getting back on stages and back into auditoriums, uh, I think it is more than that because there's a different mentality of, of what everyone's been through. And uh, and I think that there is a run, a walking before you run type thing on this. And I think that it's just getting that structure back um, and not even the same structure, I think, on the whole. I think a lot of people are changing, including us, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I think that it's it's just about starting that micro economy again, not just because of the money, but because of the the self-esteem, the self-respect of people that have been out of work for a long time and just getting that thing of, you know, I should be working with booking singers and directors and they should be in the rehearsal rooms and they should be in, on stages and audiences should be in there. And I think it's just restarting that like an engine, just, you know, getting it, getting it warmed up again so that we're 
we can come back with a bit of a with a bit of a fanfare. So obviously you mentioned that sort of uh, walking before we can kind of run sort of thing. I mean, part of that for for you is kind of redesigning that auditorium to make sure it is a a safe space for people. I mean, tell us a little bit about those adaptations. You've you've had to make quite significant adaptations to to what you'd usually do. Sure. Well, I think I think the thing is for me also, David, is I didn't really want to. Um, it wasn't sort of a forced in completely thing. You know, I was looking at it last autumn and thinking we could and we should be looking at something here just a bit different because of this, because of the change in times and because of then of the safety issues, but also to try and not only to make it safe because i think it is but also to encourage people to look at it and think oh yeah i can see what they've done that is safe so you know basically we have uh, we normally have a thousand seat theater which is outdoors but it's um um open at the sides and it's got a canopy over the stage and the uh, auditorium but it has got sides to the theater structure the the the, <clears throat> the seating structure and of course it's got normal theatrical seats that are right next to each other so you know, my thing was really to say, well, let's change that. Let's reimagine it, um, um, not only to make it safe, which we think we have by saying there's more space between you. All the seats are completely independently standing chairs so that we can move them into the wh whichever bubble size we want. But because one of the things that was worrying me about a theatre, even if it's socially distanced, was walking down the theatre the seat in rows to get to the seat you were in you're squeezing past people or whatever and i think that i think i just wanted to take that out of the equation so we said let's have freestanding seats so we can create more space we've gone from a thousand to 400 to really uh, make that that obviously brings a problem up because um you know as i've been saying a lot for every single night that we perform with 400 people there's 600 people that would normally be there that we're not getting so you know that creates an issue so there was that about saying making the, the re reduced numbers but i also thought well we can keep the same percentage of numbers that we sell for um um relaxed performances for our schools matinee for our free tickets for over 65s free tickets for under 18s we can keep all that and then we can just make it pretty exciting space anyway by rather than people coming in thinking oh there's only 400 people in the thousand seat theater and that looked at looking a bit sad you know so we can move the seats around it would be a full theater at 400 we've changed the space so i did i sort of didn't want everyone sitting there thinking this is only a, a fraction of what it used to be so we've created a as well as our big stage we've got a massive stage we've created a, a thrust stage that comes out into the, the auditorium as well just so that we can a socially distance more the singers be it on the main stage and on the smaller stage but also to add a, a close up and a and a and a wide angle version of it, so we can just change the change the experience. So for me, it's been quite a it's been quite an exciting time working with the designer Takis. I gave him a pretty good brief, I think, but he he grabbed it and really ran with it. And so we're using a lot of sustainable materials. The chairs are borrowed. The the sort of um, areas that we're creating is all with reclaimed wood and other materials so you know we're just trying to say okay this is a reflection of the time we're hoping to be exciting and vibrant but we're also knowing that the money's tight for audiences and us and we we needed to adapt and <clears throat> sort of be a responsible early 21st century sort of company rather than trying to do something that we that we used to do 
I mean, you mentioned though that it's obviously forty percent of capacity, uh, but you've still got a very busy season. Five productions, cast, yeah. orchestra, front of house. I mean, is this summer about just kind of taking a hit and hoping to return to normal, or have you got other kind of financial measures in place that mean you can cope with with this season? Well, I think we've had to make certain um, sacrifices across things. The amount of set we have, the you know, and, and, but then there's other sacrifices like we can't have the same amount of chorus or orchestra in, which is not a financial thing. That's just purely about spacing, not only on stage and in the orchestra pit, but but just as importantly for a company like us backstage and the sheer amount of people backstage just wouldn't be safe. So we've done that. We've started a, an SOS campaign for Save Our Seats, which is to try and encourage people to, to buy extra seats that don't, that don't exist, basically. Um, you know, I got that from the, uh, talking to a lot of uh, restaurateur friends that I have, and they were, I really liked it last autumn when they were out and they would have things on their menus like uh, invisible chips or an invisible salad, and you just pay for it to try and help the help the restaurant out. And I think just a, uh, it was a definite decision to try and be quite direct with people to say, look, you know, we're, we're making this as safe as we can for you, for the uh, safety is number one priority this year, for the audience, for the performers, for everyone. By making it that safe, we've had to compromise other things. So we need, we do need a bit of help. So, you know, we're just saying, you know, if you can help us there, please do. Uh, so I think it is getting through it. You're right to a degree on that. But I think that, um, just look re-looking at the the structures that we have anyway on stage and and, and that is a, is a decent thing because so many people say so i'm sure you, they've asked your other guests on different times the regular thing is uh you know why is opera so expensive now we've got relatively cheap seats our top tickets are 100 pound we give a lot of free tickets away but my question is always much more these days not why is opera so expensive is how can it be so cheap you know, the sheer amount of people involved in putting opera on, you know, backstage, but even on a normal year, you know, 50 people in the pit, 50 people on stage, the creative teams, the company, you know, the, the price for all of those people individually is very small on a ticket, you know. And I think that um, particularly for companies like us that are not subsidised, there's just a straightforward cost. And if we can do tickets at 50, 60 quid in the middle of it, I'm amazed that we can and sort of in some reason in some ways we can't so that's why we need extra help so I think our supporters have really come to the to the rescue so far you know they've been amazing and they've been very supportive and they've been very okay if you need anything for this and extra donations just because they know we're in this bit of a, a moment so, so it's a really it's a really tough time and um, I think that but like most tough times, people pull together a bit and you can try and see something through it. It's interesting what you're saying there about, you know, obviously relying on freelancers and, and not being a subsidised company. I mean, you've managed to maintain quite a high output over the past 12 months, performances and concerts and education work. Mm. Um, and I think generally we've seen those more fleet of foot festivals have been able to do more than some of those larger subsidised year round companies. I mean, do you, do you think there's anything to be to be learned from what companies have been able to produce over the, the last kind of year or so, uh, particularly when you think yeah. about festivals compared to the, the big year-round building organisation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that um, because we don't, none of us have to, of the festivals really have that year-round um, reliance. You have to work in a building with a lot of that staff. You know, we have a very small team most of the year and it goes to a massive team in the summer. So I think, yes, it, it, in those terms, but those companies that have that, bigger company, bigger orchestras and bigger 
chorus and, and more staff, but they do get subsidised for those, and that's fine. But I, so I think, yeah, I think the fleet of foot thing is important. I think it's more because working as a smaller company, you have to be all the time anyway. You have to be with in any of your normal seasons. So I think that that just gave you a bit of a head start. And I think because you had to, uh, if you were running a festival, you had to be ready to keep what well, in our case i can't talk about my peers but in our case we had to give a reason why our members were still members when we hadn't had a a, a season and so i think it was um you know it was incumbent on us to do something for them primarily so with that even even though you're very lovely and kind about the output we've had our members have had more than that because we've just given them some straight things just just to them um and so i think there's that thing of okay we we're not just a dormant company that you have just thrown away your membership for a year or we're actually a company that's still here now we've upped our outreach work we've done more directly with the members possibly than we would do even though it's been online and so i think that it just becomes a reason then about that you're not just there for the eight weeks in the summer that you're your company that's part of your community and you and you and you're linked with your members so clearly and directly that it's the thing that you have to do. It's your responsibility to give them the work that they're paying for because they're brilliant when we had to cancel our season because everyone did. But if we get to the next point and say, okay, well, you know, say it all went wrong again and we didn't have another season this year, you know, members going away again, you say, well, that becomes a real problem. So you have to sort of just set a base up and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do some recitals there. We're going to do, I've done a couple of sort of, which are pretty nerve-wracking, actually. A couple of um, broadcast live to our members, and um, just for an hour with some music there, and me just giving them like an update on exactly where we are, trying to be as open as possible. This is where we are financially. This is where we are planning-wise. This is uh, this is some of the singers that are with us this year, and just trying to get them in, so that it's not the sort of smoke and mirrors that we often get tied into about keeping secrets from people and doing it all behind closed doors. So, okay. This is us. This is what this is what we're doing. This is what I'm up to right now. And then you get people when you're open with them, mailed in after the event, saying, "Didn't realise there was so much that went on behind the scenes of an opera company." Yeah. Well, okay, well that's <laughs> that's nice. At least you've understood it a bit. But I think that the uh, it, it's making them feel um, closer because, as I say to them a lot, and I say it a lot because I mean it, you know, it's their company. We just work there at the moment. It's 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 their company. So. Um, they have to feel involved in that and we have to give them work to do. So I think the lessons from that are you just the, the audience is everything. And so we have to do what we can, even when the, when the odds are stacked against us. Mm. So you spoke there about how it's, it's the audience's kind of company and, and, and whatnot. I mean, I'm interested, as, as you say, you know, you're not an arts council organisation. You don't have to, to kind of bow down to those, to those sorts of demands. Um, it's nice, you, isn't it? Yeah, but, but you do a lot of education work, you do the free tickets, all of these sorts of things. I mean, you could quite happily just do your operas every summer, and I'm sure the audiences would have a lovely time. I mean, what, why yeah. why is it important to, to you, to the company, to actually do so much more outside of that main stage work? Well, yeah, I think the thing is for me that it's 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 because we can, and and I think it's, it's because, um, in a funny way, because we're not funded to do those things at all, that... Um, that makes it that we want to do it easier. And so when we've got a project on, you know, someone in the company has pitched a project to me or I've had the idea myself or whatever, and that we've decided to do that. And that has a different energy to it right from the off because it's not the other reverse way of 
well, we need to do something. We, you know, we don't need to do anything. So that has a nice energy to it. The other thing is years ago, I said this, and as I get older, it becomes more and more important. But I used to say a lot that I've got a very small amount of power. You know, it's, it's, I run a smallish company and it's, tran- it's a transitory power, you know, um, and, and, and it's about, I don't want to retire whenever I retire and say I had that small amount of power for, for however long I had it and I didn't use it to its utmost, the, the ability that I could use it to. I don't want to leave any of the sort of sports analogies. I don't want to leave anything out there and say, okay, we can, we can do these things. So we should. And if we can change a couple of people here and there about what they want or how their life is and the, the, the enrichment of life, I call it, it's just that we don't have to have a chart or a graph to say, how was that, um, uh, you know, how was that judged that project we did? We know it because if someone has just had a bit of a better day when their life is pretty miserable, we've done something and that's really difficult to calculate for any sort of grant purposes but we've just in there when some we've arranged for someone to go in before pandemic and go into a care home or something and sing to people for a while and we know their life is a bit better on that day that's something and that, so i think that we just keep working on different bits and pieces and saying um <clears throat> would we want this to happen to relatives of ours if we if if we wasn't involved in this we want to make them happy we want to do this we want kids to have better music education now the schools are being let down by so many people about how much music goes in so if we can get more music in there and, and so i think there's all the things about what would i want if I was just someone looking at it and I wasn't involved in the company and just trying to do and try just trying to just trying to do that really there's obviously a lot happened over the past 12 months I mean is there anything in particular that you've learned about the company or maybe even about yourself that over the past 12 months you've learned that you'll you'll want to take forward I think I've learned I can work on even less sleep than I used to have I think uh yeah I think that we've learned that we can trust ourselves with with our judgment a, a bit more than maybe we were getting you have to do this you have to do that as i said before i think having the judgment and not being afraid to lead rather than just wait for everyone and then you're following it i think that's it and i think the other main thing is just the sheer amount of what it means to our our, our supporters because when we were doing some concerts last year to come back to our space the sheer warmth of the reaction, the emotional um, intensity of that reaction, as well as generosity of, of, of money, was just, you know, really, <laughs> it was a really emotional thing to see and to feel because the people like and love seeing live music. They get associated with a, a company. They see lots of companies, but some of their companies are like their football team. So that, that's, that's my company. And just having that feeling of sheer warmth when we, on all of our return concerts last year, but the first one particularly was just this sheer wall of emotion. And you think, God, we work away in offices, we work away in audition rooms and rehearsal rooms and all that. And of course, this is what this is what it's about. This actually means something to some to these these people. And it's just an incredible, sort of heartening and uh, sort of humbling feeling. And finally, there are five productions this summer, but you know, maybe there are a couple of just little things that we might want to watch or listen out for this summer what would what would you be well we're opening with the marriage of figaro which we've uh which we've done a few times but it's a new production and um it's the 10th year of our young artist scheme because we have got a good reputation for nurturing artists and and it's the 10th year of it and the creative team the director and conductor and four of the principals are all graduates of our young artist scheme over the last 10 years 
So for me, that's a thing of we're opening our 25th season, our comeback season with a team that's more than half grown up within our company. And that for me is, uh, that's everything on that one. So even though I'm going to look forward to all the others, that's going to be the, the thing for me, the very first day coming back and going, they all grew up here over that, over that time. That's a really exciting thing. And finally, I spoke to Polly Graham, the artistic director of Longborough Festival Opera, which is nestled in the heart of the Cotswolds. There's going to be a big change to the site this summer. You've got the big top venue joining your, your regular theatre. So tell us a bit about this exciting new theatre and, and how the festival's going to work this summer. So we've got an, what we call Inside Outside Festival because we're still using theatre for uh, performances of Di Valcura, but all of the other programme for the festival, so three of the, the our three other big operas, are going to be... Um, happening in the Big Top, which is going to be opera in the round and is going to allow us to do, to share with audiences a new way of working for us. So I suppose that the Deval Cure is purely the practicalities of trying to get all of that orchestra and all of those singers into a, into a space. Is that kind of the reason for kind of keeping that show in the theatre? Yeah, um, you know, nevertheless, we will still be working with a reduced orchestra, but because of social distancing, um, even a reduced orchestra spreads out and take, eats up space super fast. So um, Di Valcura is a concert staging uh, with light and, you know, text work and movement, but um, no big scenic pieces. And that's in the theatre and there'll be orchestras spread out all over the stage as well as in the pit for that. And yeah, then the big top is where the other three shows will happen. And they, well, they, they all fit in different ways um, or each production is responding to in different ways, but there's, there's lovely um, connections for each show. Like, you know, the fact that we've designed an amphitheater kind of arena for the big top, it feels so perfect for working on the return of Ulysses. Um, and the, the cyclical, you know, cyclical nature of the cunning little vixen and actually all the cabaret influences in that piece and the kind of 1920s context in which that emerged make it feel right albeit that of course vixen is scored for a massive orchestra and we are going to be working with a you know 13 piece band but these are challenges which we're all facing I mean, flexibility in all its forms is is the is the word for the for the summer, isn't it? I mean, you've mentioned some of those creative possibilities there. I mean, uh, you're not yet in the theatre, of course, but I mean, are there going to be kind of some challenges to to that sort of space as well? I suppose I'm thinking particularly sort of sound wise, or are there you know kind of things you're able to put in place to to really minimise? There there will be there will be challenges to that. Um, and I mean, we've designed the um, arena that's a bespoke make, I think the RSC scenic builders are making it for us um, all out of wood so that, you know, to, to, to enhance the sound as much as possible. And with some of the uh, bands, so with Cozy, uh, well, that's a new orchestration that we've commissioned by the wonderful Leslie Ann Sammons and her Barefoot Band who are completely eclectic and wonderful. And they work with Amplified 
sound anyway. So um, I think that will, um, I'm not worried there. With Ulysses, we're working through different, um, different challenges and different kind of contingencies around um, the, the musicians and the instruments in, in that regard. But I think that, I mean, I'm a theatre girl, first and foremost, and I just feel like audiences are going to get a really exciting show um, out of the big top that longer audiences have never had before because we've always been in proscenium. And whilst it's lovely, it's also such a singular way of viewing theatre. And I'm so excited at this liberation. I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you've only joined Longborough, was it many, maybe a year, to two years ago? So you've not been there too long as artistic director. Obviously, your your parents have been heavily involved for, for, for a very long time. I mean, is this the kind of direction you're interested in pushing the festival? I know this big toppers and uh, COVID has maybe accelerated some of that, but looking at things differently, you mentioned the that orchestra for, for Cozy Van Tutti, you know, is this kind of picking away at, at opera's kind of traditional strands, something that you want to keep going with the festival, COVID or no COVID? I think COVID or no COVID, we, we must keep looking forward. And COVID has been an incredible catalyst as well as an incredible blow to our industry and to so many um, ways of life and, and practitioners in, in every field. But I think, um, Really early on, I was at a conference and Annalise Miskimon said, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. And she's so right. And I think, you know, for us, the Big Top is a way of really capturing the imaginations of audiences who might not have known about us before or who might not want to go and watch a really, really long opera um, in a kind of traditional format, shall we say, because the proscenium is a traditional format. So... Um, the big top is is our way of of starting to say hello new audiences this is this is something new that you might not have known about before um we knew that we didn't want to just resurrect a traditional model this summer we knew that that would not have been appropriate partly because of the flexibility we need in in terms of giving us the ability to forge ahead despite whatever regulations are imposed but also because we wanted to make a creative response to now. So obviously this this summer, we, you've got a much reduced capacity. You've also got this expense of this fantastic new theatre. I mean, you've you've risen to the challenge creatively. I mean, how do you kind of look to raise to that challenge financially as, as well? Well, first and foremost, I think we have to uh, recognise how lucky we are with our incredible membership and the what we call the Longborough family who are so loyal and who have held us with their generosity and their commitment and enthusiasm to our work um, over the past year. And um, their support has really enabled us to keep working despite the huge challenges around socially distanced audiences. And we really hope and are working hard to come back with sellout shows in 2022. I mean, we've mentioned kind of in brief some of the events you've got on this summer, but you've got four productions, the concert at Valkura and then the three in the, in the big top. So it's a busy programme. But if you could maybe pick out a couple of things that we might want to watch out for, or things that you're particularly looking forward to as part of the programme, what, what might some of those be? 
well, I actually have to tell you we're doing five productions because we're doing a school's tour of Hansel and Gretel as well. It's called Playground Opera, and that's a new initiative we've launched this summer, but it's going to go on for years to come. So for a tiny, tiny company, we, we're, as usual, trying to do so much. Um, I'm really excited about The Cunning Little Vixen because that's been a process we started back in 2000, early 2019 in terms of um, that creative team. And I'm thrilled about welcoming Justin Brown to our festival for the first time, who's a fantastic artist, um, as well as Olivia Fuchs, who is really, it's just a fantastic um, creative team we have there. And the way that project is structured is that emerging artists are also working with our local youth chorus. So there's really exciting tiered learning and growth that is going to happen across that project and those projects that involve um youth choruses and artists at the very start of their careers always feel so special because there's an energy that you just can't get from the more seasoned performer and what about um the, the production that, that that you're kind of taking on this summer has that been something that you put in place when you you joined the company's artistic director or has that been in the pipeline for for a bit longer no, no, that was something I kind I agreed. My colleagues really wanted me to do it, and I we decided that in early 2019. I think if I'd known I'd be directing it in a pandemic, I'd probably said I wish I didn't have to do this as well as run the festival because it's just too many hats. But I'm so excited about it because it's an amazing piece, and we're working with Tom Randall in the title role, and he's an artist I, I've worked with several times and absolutely adore um and I'm really excited about the the take you know um we've I don't want to give too much away but we've we've cut it you know qu quite heavily because it's a very very long piece if you don't um take a red pen and um collaborating with Rob is is super exciting because he's all about the text and I feel we're very much on the same page in terms of resting the piece into a kind of punchy dramaturgical format i mean what's really hard about the return of ulysses it's all about waiting but you do not want the audience to feel bored so um that that kind of the challenge of the longer which is the kind of huge theme of the piece is is a thrilling opportunity for me and you get to direct in the big top as well so i mean look it's uh it's, yeah it's, thank god opera in the round woohoo worked out well in the end so there's obviously been a, a very tumultuous uh 12, 12 months. I mean, is there anything that you've learned about the company or even about yourself, perhaps from those 12 months that you you want to take forward into this season and, and into the future of the things that, you know, you really think have, have been kind of worthwhile uh, thinking about and learning? I think that the opportunity the pandemic gave us as a very, very small team was that it gave us a little bit of time to stop. And we interrogated what we wanted to do as an organisation and we had the time finally to create a five-year strategy which I'm really excited about and which we simply had never had the time to do because we're such a small team and I'm really excited about how that's going to be reflected in the 2022 and 2023 and beyond programs.
thank you very much to Stephen, James and Polly for speaking to me this month and I hope that's whetted your appetite for a busy summer of opera to come. There's of course lots more going on across the country from the likes of the Buxton Festival, Water Perry in Oxford and our very own Leeds Opera Festival which will take place across the August bank holiday weekend. Make sure to follow us on Twitter where you can find all the latest announcements as they happen. Thanks for joining us this month and we will see you again very soon. Bye.